The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. When you fall off a unicycle, you don't even know why. You know, you you make one, two, three strokes of the pedals. And then you're on the ground and the unicycle's over there in the bushes and you don't even know what happened. <laughs> the lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. Welcome to the Lesson is Love podcast, where my guests are creative, inspiring change makers. I see these conversations as a brave practice of learning out loud and relating to all beings as beloved kin. Every time a person witnesses another with empathy, we shape our species a little bit closer to the best case scenario, universal fluency in life's most nourishing skill, unconditional love. I'm Grisha Stewart best known for developing behavior adjustment training, BAT, which gives dogs with trauma or neglect histories an opportunity to safely open to connection. I'm also the founder of the Grisha Stewart Academy, a collaborative online dog school. Our global experts teach professional dog trainers and the curious public how to nurture healthy community with dogs. As an embodied human, I'm also a dog mom, wife, daughter, widow, stepmother, aunt, friend, musician, and always, always a student. In this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with David Wilcox, a profound and prolific songwriter based in Asheville, North Carolina in the United States. We shared our joy in exploring the inner territory of being human and how micro adjustments to stay grounded in love and presence helps in every relationship, including the ones with our dogs. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. What do you wish people assumed about you? <laughs> I guess if I had a, a great wish and uh, I could sort of have some influence in people's assumptions, <laughs> um, it feels like um, I would like people to assume that I am uh, kind of up for adventure in terms of the belief territory where I reside and ready to travel. Mm. I kind of wish that people knew that I was coming from a place of kindness. And then if I'm not that, that I I want to be. And so I, I would like that sort of handed back to me as like, Oh, right here, this is where you veered off the road. Yeah, people holding you accountable when you're not really in the moment in your heart. Yeah, yeah. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have a musical question for you. If you'd be willing to play a song, the best song is the right song at the right time for the right person. So I'd have to ask. So what's showing up in your life in terms of something that you're headed toward, or something that you're leaving, or something that? is beginning or something that's ending or Mm. some uh, way to sort of give a uh, flavor to the the sort of feeling of how it is being you right now. Uh, Kind of big picture that um, 
about capitalism and about consent and about like, so I have a business and I'm a dog trainer and it's, it's a very successful online school and I grew up in poverty. And, and so there's this sense of like, not really imposter syndrome, but the sense of like imbalance in the world, right? That like a lot of the the things that I enjoy are at someone else's expense. Like this, this phone that I have, mm. right? That the people who make this phone couldn't afford it. Um, right. And so this, this sense of, of how do we, how do we step, you know, in, how can we sort of create and create enough caring in the world that we're more willing to, to really look at like, did, do, do I, do I have a lifestyle I have because, and these expectations I have because we've had so much unfair labor, right? Sometimes enslaved labor, sometimes just that we're taking advantage through the reinforcer of money. Um, and so that's, yeah. yeah, so that's what's alive in me. Do you have a song like that? <laughs> wow. No, that's fascinating. That's really cool. Um, that sense of your heart opening, uh, that sense of, uh, you know, uh, there's this beautiful line in a Bob Frankie song that says, if you don't care whose blood runs in the coffee that you Ooh. drink. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, uh, that curious uh, examination of how we can possibly be integritous in our virtue. What's fascinating for me about this song this is about insulation and isolation. This is about um, finding our comfort by numbing our compassion. And like any uh, good sort of cautionary mm -hmm. tale, <laughs> it sort of pushes the limit. The, the thing that stirred this song was I was doing a ropes course. I was all ready to grab the rope and sort of climb up and get over the thing, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's a team effort. You have to get your team over the obstacle. Oh. The good life, the fountains in my garden, Good life, the cascading never ends. The good life, the sound drowns out the shouting. Safe within the fences with a few good friends. This land's been in our family since the slave plantation. We had to build the wall so we could feel secure. And ever since the downfall of civilization, we offer what we can, but people still want more. See, out on the perimeter, there's crowds of haters. They're clattering their cups along the wrought iron gate. The corn becomes the ethanol that runs our generators. They keep the fences buzzing all around. State. 
good life The fountains in my garden The good life The cascading never ends The good life The sound drowns out the shouting Safe within the fences With a few good friends Ah, oh, what could be more equal Than the open market we find the best workers at the lowest wage We gotta pay them cheap enough to make a profit But they clamor at the gate as if they're in a cage Oh, here it really gets bad <laughs> the, the cynical irony is maxed oh, The reason why they're poor is that they're barely we get weaker if I share my share Takes a lot of prey to feed a hungry lion The law of the jungle says that fair is fair The fountains in my garden The good life The cascading never ends The good life The sound Drowns out the shouting Safe within the fences With a few good friends So that is a homeopathic song. That is not a song that's, you know, sort of pushing your heart in the direction you want to go. That's a song that pushes you backwards in hopes that you will say, hey, wait a minute, and push back. <laughs> right. That's not right. That captures a lot. There's that sort of inner conditioned learning that we have that, that you know, we, we can sort of mock other people for being that extreme um, that's in the song. And and yet it's in there in our learning history. Yeah. As a as a dog trainer, it's uh, one of the things I I know is that we don't we don't ever unlearn something. We can learn something new that's sort of a an alternate path for our brains to go down, but it's never uh, erased. Yeah. One of my favorite things I learned about dog training was, let's say you wanted to change the course of a river. Now, there's two things you have to do. You have to build a dam, and you have to make another channel for the river. <laughs> Which do you do first? Uh. First, make the other <laughs> channel. Make it easy for the water to go where you yeah. want. Then, put the dam up. Oh, I love that. We'll shift gears a, a little bit and ask, when was the last time you were pleasantly surprised? Oh, the biggest uh, beauty in my life lately is um, I was assuming that at this time in my life, I would be doing more adventure travel. I would be doing more, you know, bicycle, solo, across, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the way things have gone... My beloved Nance has got some medical stuff that is making it so we can't go off and have those kind of adventures. Um, mm -hmm. But the pleasant surprise is 
there is a beautiful new emotional frontier that is laid out before us. And it is an adventure. And it does require, you know, learning another language. And it does require uh, finding the ways uh, to navigate uh, in this new territory. So um, mm. that has been a beautiful surprise. That's fantastic. And I, I share that. I, I got married this summer. And I would say that's one of the the most like some of the most fun that my husband and I have is this sort of like you know, digging into our emotional landscape and we're like ooh I have an epiphanation that's <laughs> one of our words and and you said in the Americana Academy where where I met you that you you use songwriting as a practice to sort of dig into the deeper stuff yeah um can you share a little bit of that for the listeners sure when I started songwriting, it felt to me like a craft that you would sort of learn how to do it. And there were ways to do it. And uh, you would learn sort of like the rules. And the goal was sort of self-explanatory. You know, you needed to crank out more songs. And reaching a level of success at that made it, uh, made me wonder, okay, so what's the next frontier? What's the next um, place that I could take this? And um, so it's been lovely to open to the possibility that the whole reason why music is in my life is more mysterious than I ever could have known. The thing that I have been given with this sensitivity and facility with music is not for the purpose of making more songs. <laughs> it's a way of discerning lifetime decisions with an agility and a, a, a subtlety um, that comes from the practice of writing songs, which is a microcosm of this ability to put thousands of decisions in service to the, the feeling that I'm getting about what the song is wanting to open in my heart. So by studying how to do that in music, it gave me a thirst for how does this apply and how can I use this, um, this same discernment uh, when it comes to everything else in life. And so you know, it started out that nothing in my life felt as good as a good song. And little by little, I have said to myself, I want my relationships to feel like this. I want my friendships to feel like this. I want my work to feel like this. Mm. And and listening to that, there's such a parallel to the the way that I that, that I've perceived dog training over the decades mm. that like I got into it because it it was, you know, there's all this structure and I felt like, you know, looking back through time, I can tell that what I needed at, at that time was the ability to control something. So I used positive reinforcement, but I was I was controlling the dog to do what I what I needed. Mm -hmm. As I sort of dug into dog training more and more, it's 
it's about you know became more about like what's well what's the need of the animal and and what's and what's my need and how do we actually use this as a way to learn love um and and in that relationship right but of course it's contagious to every other relationship like to ourselves the relationship to others and it, it created in me this sort of switch of like oh right that's the whole purpose of being embodied is to learn how to better love how to how to get back to it more and more quickly yeah well said i love that you said get back to it more quickly yeah i have that similar experience through various mystical paths about how uh that the time it takes us to recognize where we're off balance and come back man that's the key mm-hmm. that's really beautiful and was there a point in your life that you that you kind of started zooming out from from healing yourself to healing for the sake of of everyone of all the beings? I think there was a seed of that from the start, but I really started to act on it probably twenty years ago, and um, it was uh, doing more of these spontaneous songs, doing more musical medicine. That was the part that really was inspiring. I love that that phrasing, and and so reading it in your bio, that's basically like you know you're you're talking with someone and you're like, oh, this is this this song is going to be useful to you. Is that what you mean by the musical medicine, or that and also creating spontaneous songs for people, um, uh, writing something on the spot that will start with their story from a few questions I ask and then open to a song. I've been trying to write a theme song for The Lesson is Love, and I have like a couple of lines of it. What are the lines? It's, it's sort of the parallel, right, of healing ourselves, healing humanity and our own behavior and the behavior of the big system that we are all part of, this sort of one big nervous system. Ancestor, ancestor, oh, I am grateful. You found a way to put food on your table. Ancestor, ancestor, you didn't know. The pain that you caused, it continues to grow. And then the last line that I have is, Ancestor, ancestor, now is our turn. The lesson is love we all can learn. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Putting ourselves in that accountability and putting ourselves in that river of the aspiration, the dream of the more perfect society, and also individuals evolving, um, you know, it's, it's uh, when we tour really old houses, like the, the house that some president grew up in or something, you know, and we look and say, oh, the beds are so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are bigger. And people have also grown in their ability to imagine that their life, what they call their life, isn't bordered by their skin. It's uh, it's a bigger life, and uh, a society is is like cells in a body, 
I, I love drawing on the old wisdom and holding ourselves accountable to how can we move the story forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds beautiful. I, mm-hmm. I, I honor that. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I have this, this notion, you know, that like, I mean, even the internet, right, is part of our, it, it's sort of, its level of connectivity really makes it like a nervous system. Like I can be upset here in Oregon, right, and type something on Facebook and then, you know, 100 other people or 500 other people are now angry (laughs) in their place of residence, right? Or vice versa, right? We can send, you know, the the antidote out there as well. Yeah. I really, I also really loved the the We Make the Way by Walking song that you have. I think it's really Mm -hmm. fantastic. That phrase comes from that pilgrimage in Spain. And Mm. it's about the fact that our boldness, our our courage to set out on a path that we don't know uh, has a an ability to align these miraculous coincidences and the 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 fact of our believing in what may line up in front of us um, makes it more possible for us to walk into that beautiful connectivity and connection and it's a fun song the main um, administrator for my school, Claire Goyer, lives in Spain, and I, I know she's been wanting to walk that path. When we were staying in San Sebastian with some friends, uh, we found out about the path was going right through that town. And so we, we were starting to wonder, you know, who can we ask? Where do we find that path? And as we looked out the front window of this place we're staying we kept seeing backpacks go by, and we, we laughed. It was actually the little street right in front of our house. Oh, that's funny. You're like, yep, I think we found it. Yeah. And that's such a good, uh, I love that metaphor, right? It's, it really is, yeah. it's the little street right in front of our house. That is the path. One of the things that I, I do with intention is to phrase things in in positive ways, right? So to have like, you know, there's the stuff that we that we we are worried about, right? Or we're scared of, or we know is painful, or whatever else. Um, and and to, to sort of picture like, what's the best case scenario? Uh, what do I want this to turn out to be? Um, yeah. Can I paint the picture of of that? Do you have any any awareness of that in your songwriting? Yeah, definitely. It's so fun. Um, I do love songs that. Uh, will give me the emotional reality of something that I want to live into so that I can feel it present tense and anchor that experience and then sort of hold that experience as sort of an irrefutable proof of like, um, it's possible to be there. It's possible to get there. And they, the way that I tell that, in story sometimes is I say, um, imagine that when Ed Hillary got a strange envelope in the mail, he wasn't Sir Edmund yet. 
He was just Ed. And he gets this photograph in the mail, a big eight by 10. And it's obviously of the Himalayan mountains, but it's from a strange perspective that he's never seen before. He's looking over the top of these ridges and at the bottom of the picture, there are footsteps in the snow. And he gets the strangest feeling that those footsteps are his. And he traces one peak to another on a map and draws a line and realizes that, yes, this picture must have been taken from the top of Mount Everest. And yet, no one has stood at the top of Mount Everest. But what do you do with a picture like that? You can't just show it to anybody because they'll laugh. They'll say, oh, it's a fake. But if you tuck it in your jacket close to your heart and you refer back to it, you can you cannot forget what the world looks like from that particular angle. And then when you're looking at that mountain peak from 8,000 feet below it, you realize you have those footsteps there, you know, and it's, it's just your walking that will take you there. And it's kind of inevitable. And you have this ability to reside in that perspective. Now, what a song can give you is an emotional perspective. It can give you that feeling that you would hope to get from reaching your destination. A song can take you there. And that miraculous glimpse of where you want to be, um, I find so empowering uh, because the heart doesn't forget that. So it, it makes everything else more possible. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that I, that I do is, is record uh, for myself um, like a guided meditation whenever I feel like I'm in a space where like I feel happy, I feel wise, you know, I'm, I'm in sort of my like undefended self, then mm-hmm. I'll, then I'll meditate and sort of guide a meditation and record it at the same time. And then I'll sort of use that to sort of bootstrap myself forward into, you know, whatever, you know, wisdom is in there as, as a, as a human on this planet. And it's kind of like that. It's sort of writing your your songs into, you know, writing the world as you want to live into it. Yeah. 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 So switching gears slightly, but related. One of the main things I do is is work with aggression with dogs or or fear, really, uh, that shows up as reactivity. And having people picture the best case scenario, what do they want the dog to um, be able to do? And can, can they visualize it? Can they feel it in their body? And, and how, how would, you know, what sorts of safety would we need to create to make that happen? So my question is for you is, is who are the dogs in your life and how would you describe your relationship with them? I, I wish you could meet Bhutan. Bhutan is mostly poodle, but she's got some golden and she's all black and she's about two years old. And, uh, I, really love the way she reads my body language so well like when we're 
I'll be bicycling and she'll be right, you know, healing beside uh, or behind as we do the trails. I, I love her ability to match my energy and know when it's time to, you know, romp and when it's time to snuggle. And uh, it's, um, it's really fun to see her soulful eyes and, uh, and feel like um, there's a, a beautiful communication going on. And my son's dog, Roscoe, is a wonderful um, contradiction. <laughs> He's really fun and kind and snuggly, but he also loves to bark at people walking by. And uh, so my son is always like having to say, Roscoe, it's okay. And uh, I... I remember feeling like a little sense of, ah, oh, this is awkward. I wish they wouldn't bark because I want to be, you know, like really good neighbors, you know. <laughs> and uh, and yet, as soon as Roscoe's off the leash, you know, playing with three other dogs in our yard or the neighbor's yard, um, you know, it's it's all just peaceful and play. So it's fascinating, my reactions. I'm also fascinated by this question metaphorically, like where does barking show up in my life, so to speak? You know, are there people in my life that uh, are, are triggered by their fear and are quick to aggression? And how do I deal with those people? And I grew up in a family that had a lot of sort of wild reaction, anger, and uh, so I've learned some interesting strategies that are probably aligned with dog language in terms of uh, de-escalating, you know, people who are triggered. And I've found it's so sort of natural to draw on my childhood experience of that. And yet I haven't transferred that knowledge over to how to help Roscoe with his, with his barking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In terms of attachment theory and, you know, kind of, you know, humans and dogs, actually, when we have a secure bond, we're able to be reassured. You know, the parent can reassure the the child if there is something going on, and they're also yet given enough freedom to go explore, um, and they delight in each other. And growing up, I didn't always have the safety of being able to count on that. Um, And it sounds like you didn't either. And when my dog barks, I realize myself that I get triggered, right? I get mm-hmm. to like, oh my God, I have to make this stop as soon as possible. Instead of like, if I'm holding space as an adult for another adult, I can be there, I can witness for them. I can know that I am safe. And so the system that we've come up with for my family is basically A, to reassure the dog as soon as possible. So try to do it before the barking starts. Mm-hmm. Um and sort of be in there and, you know, co-regulate. So, you know, breathing calmly and, and witnessing, you know, yep, stuff goes by. And if they do bark, just staying calm or potentially moving them a little further away from the scary thing if they need to or the frustration. Um, but just being able to be there with them to say, this is not a big deal. You're just having some big feelings. And ideally, again, reassuring before the barking happens. So it's not this sort of reinforcement happening too much. But I think dog trainers, we worry too much about reinforcement and not enough about the support underneath. And so 
the the system that we've come up with in our family is to sort of tag team the dog that whoever notices first the dog needs reassurance goes and re- and and sits with her and if we ever start to feel triggered that we can put up two fingers that says the dog needs support one and I need support number two so I'm oh. going to go support myself and you can support the dog this time because yeah. <laughs> we're kind of not meant to always do everything alone yeah the most of the work I do is really about setting up s- scenarios in which the dog can do the thing that you're wanting and so for your son if he was ever interested in doing something like having neighbors walk by but they're all the way across the street and the dog's already just seen them and so the arousal level is lower so that the choice to bark is less obvious um so so they can come up with different phrasing like kind of how we were talking about before the the show started about saying something in a in a new way Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for dogs. If they can see a situation in a way that they're not used to, then they can kind of put it together as well. Yeah. It takes a you know repetition. It does. It does. Our neighbor across the street, Carol, is really good doing that with with her new dog. And uh, yeah, it's it's inspiring to see. She will sometimes train our dogs together, and she'll say, "Okay, now." Try walking by at this distance. Okay, now try, you know. So it's it's good finding that place where the, the comfort is stronger than the fear. How would uh, both of those dogs, actually, how would they describe the relationship and how would they describe you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I am curious, and I, I would love to get a clearer idea of how it is from Bhutan's perspective. It feels to me like when I'm on the mountain bike and we're going around the trails behind our house, I watch really carefully to be sure that she's having fun. And if she were to drop back, you know, I would make sure that I stopped or, you know, found some water or slowed down. And yet... There's a part of me that wonders if she would just keep up no matter what. <laughs> she probably would, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have this webinar called Talk With Me, and one of the things I talk about in there is you can give a consistent consequence whenever they do a certain thing. So if you were to pause and say, you ready to run? And she did a certain thing, you know, then you go on your bike again, or it could be even super specific, like, you know, asking, we do a lot of consent grooming and that sort of thing. So if if they give their paw, then we can trim the nails. If they pull the paw away, that's consent being revoked um, or nose targeting or that sort of thing. So it could even be like, you know, if they, if you stop and she touches your hand, then you take off on the bike. Or if, if not, then you wait. It's fun making these conversations with dogs. Yeah. Okay, let's go to healing and grounding the greater nervous system. What practices do you have that are grounding for you? There's this simple kind of checking in if I'm stirred up by something, if there's some emotion sort of residing that I might not be so aware of, maybe some resistance or bother or whatever. I sort of give myself a couple breaths and just get curious, just check it out, just see where that is in my body and sort of 
just get curious about it, like reside in that place for a minute. Not with an idea of like, I have to change this or that this is bad, but just wanting to sort of get a more accurate read on what it's saying. And what I find is that just giving it that welcome, just listening, kind of release that sort of emotional trigger will sort of scratch that itch. And then what I'm left with is an opening that feels like I'm more connected, like my whole life is bigger. And it feels like there's a movement toward a grace that can take whatever adversity is happening and make it part of a bigger story. So when I'm in that process, again, the crucial thing that I'm learning is, you know, how much time does it take me to notice that I'm out of balance? And then how much time does it take me to decide, okay, how can I get back to that heart place? How can I get back to that sort of curiosity? And it, it reminds me of when I was first learning how to ride a unicycle. When you're first starting, you know, when you fall off a unicycle, you don't even know why. You don't know what happened. You know, you make one, two, three strokes of the pedals, and then you're on the ground and the unicycle's over there in the bushes, and you don't even know what happened. <laughs> and then little by little, you start discerning when you're out of balance earlier. That's the whole key. So that you're not falling, you are within the realm of what you can catch. And then you learn what to do in order to get your wheel back under your center of gravity. And as soon as you do that, then you start catching yourself sooner and sooner. And at first it looks like wild flailings of the arms and you barely catch yourself. But then after a while, your hands are just relaxed at your sides and you're just cruising along and you're making corrections so soon that you don't even know you're making them. It starts to feel like what I call the easy chair, where it's not like you're perched up on one wheel. It's like you're totally stable. It's like standing up. You don't think about it. You just go where you want to go. And that progression of first being totally bewildered like the people who say, oh, I don't know. I just got crazy angry. I don't know what came over me. You don't know? Well, you can learn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and gradually, you know, you find that you keep your center under you. you. You're making the corrections so soon that it stops being something that surprises you. It just becomes a natural reflex. Me, the time it takes to catch it is getting shorter and shorter. And it becomes really fun just to know that you can get that physiological change in one breath, one breath. You know, you find yourself feeling some tension about something that you think, ah, you, ah, and then you just "Ah," breathe. And in that practice of knowing how to get your balance point back underneath you, you know, you're suddenly stable again. And it's not like you're suppressing anything. It's just like you're correcting it before the forces get much of any strength in them. It's really fun. 
I love that metaphor. And as I was listening to you with my eyes closed, sort of balancing on, I actually have a chair that is, it's sort of a balancey chair, right? So I'm sort mm-hmm. of doing this as we go. And I, and I really got this sensation of, this is also the work that I share with people is like how to co-regulate, how to get your feet under you. Yeah. The first little piece that the dog looks like it's getting out of balance. You know, it's worried about something sort of doubling down on our own sense of being stable and comfortable. And so that practice is going to be really useful for people to hear. So thank you for that. Man, I would love to walk in the woods with our dogs. It would be so fun. I There is something so beautiful about anyone who goes deep in a particular pursuit, anyone who really understands the soul of it. Uh, it's so fascinating to me. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, David. The lesson is love. <laughs> the lesson is la, 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 la. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of The Lesson is Love. If you enjoyed it, please share. You can also subscribe to Extra Perks for this podcast at GrishaStewart.com or subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. The Lesson is Love is a project of the Grisha Stewart Academy and Empowered Animals, produced by the fantastic Diane Redding. My website is grishastewart.com and you can find David Wilcox at davidwilcox.com. Please check out my academy to learn more about thriving in community with dogs. May you be safe. May you know you belong. May you live a life of meaning and purpose. And with every choice, may you turn toward love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love.